If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Got it. Mm. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today, we're going to be talking with our friend Joshua about his story of addiction and recovery. And how are you doing this morning, sir? Doing good. Mm. You're doing well. Glad to hear that. So let's dive in and get started. Tell us about yourself. Well, um, I'm 36. I was born in 1985. Um, I was born in, um, in Brush, Colorado, uh, raised in Rangeley, Colorado. Uh, my family... I have uh, four brothers, um, two half brothers from my dad's first marriage, and then um, two brothers. I am the fourth middle son, is what I like to say. So, fourth son of my dad, uh, middle son of my mom. So, I'm yeah, I'm a middle child. <laughs> yeah, um, but I uh, um, I uh, was raised in a household where my dad was a very heavy. Um, user um unfortunately uh there was a lot of abuse and stuff what kind of stuff was your dad using uh it meth was his main thing um which is crazy to think that would be my drug of choice too um but uh he uh was a heavy user he used um or he worked in um uh the oil field so of course that was went hand in hand it seemed like anyways back then um, and, um, he, uh, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was, uh, it was rough growing up for sure. Um, we were, I mean, we would say that we were poor, of course. Um, um, but I think they did what they could, I guess. Um, my parents never divorced until later on in life. Um, so we always had mom and dad around. Um, so we were did they get along? No, <laughs> no. Uh, mom stayed um, in the relationship for us um, boys. So she thought that, you know, staying with dad would be the best approach. Um, you know, like he, he, for the most part, I mean, we, we had food. I mean, we had, you know, clothes on our backs and so forth. Um, um, but he, he made, um, she wanted to make sure that, you know, we were raised with both parents um, because she was not raised with both parents back and forth, um, when it came to their relationship. So she wanted to make sure that, you know, that both mom and dad were around to help us out. So, um, there was a lot of abuse, unfortunately. Um, but, um, um, the abuse was it that dad towards mom? Yes. And then also towards us. Um, I remember there was one day dad came home and he was in, uh, mood, I guess. And, um, I don't, I don't know, recall if he was high or not. I mean, that would be that you never really knew. Um, but, uh, he, uh, got mad at me for something and I was very obstinate. Um, still am. (laughs) And, uh, he, um, 
chased me with a broom and beat the crap out of me. Um, yeah, uh, just because he could. So, and mom took the broom and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, it's good that you had mom to try to defend you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad mom was around. And then, um, unfortunately, we had um, my older half brothers, Michael and Eric. Um, they they were from my dad's first marriage, and um, they um, came to live with us when we were living in um, this uh, ranch out in um, between Fort Morgan, Colorado, and Brush, Colorado. And uh, Michael, unfortunately, um, uh, he. Uh, sexually abused me and my older brother um for for a while um and um it was it was covered up unfortunately the the authorities said that we wouldn't remember um that we wouldn't have you know what i mean like it wouldn't affect us so on and so forth because they didn't want to press charges uh of course michael was sent back home uh, was there a reason they didn't want to press charges um my dad i think um I don't really understand why they didn't want to press charges. Um, the authority, like the, the, that area of uh, Colorado is kind of backwards. Um, they don't like to deal with anything of that sort, I guess, if that makes sense at that time. Um, so um, <clears throat> my dad didn't want it to be a big deal. Um, of course it became a big deal. You know what I mean? Later on in life when, you're trying to deal with growing up and finding yourself and all that fun crap and like having to deal with that in the back of your mind. Um, and it, it, it became a big reason why um, I would, pr- I would probably turn towards drugs to deal with life um, because, you know, I was four. <laughs> so um, not fun, but um, you know, I mean, it is what it is. So mm. <clears throat> But, uh, so during this <clears throat> pardon me during this time how were you at school when you were away from your parents um i was a i was bad i, I literally yeah. like yeah i mean it wasn't until third grade that um um i started actually being involved in schools so and so forth like i was obstinate i i lied i pissed myself i mean i potty training was horrible um I, there was many times that we would go to the um, uh, what a babysitter, and um, I would like literally like instead of asking where the bathroom was or anything else of the sort, I would just piss myself. Um, I was bad. I was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was horrible to deal with me <laughs> um, when I was growing up at that time. So um, it was very hard for me to be corralled. Um, and like I said, potty training was just. It was it was intense. Like my poor mother, <laughs> I feel bad for her because <laughs> she had to deal with a lot. So, yeah. how many? Uh, or not how many? How were your other relationships, friends, and peers in school? How did you get along? I don't like so because of the like I have this innate ability to um, cut memories and stuff off. Um, so a lot of my memories up until about six, I don't really remember a whole lot. Um, unfortunately, anything that I know is because of talks and stuff that I've had with my mother. Um, 
like me and my mom are incredibly close. Uh, we've talked about a lot of, um, of uh, things that have happened, so on and so forth. And um, um, I don't remember a whole lot. I mean, I remember certain things for little teeny tiny bits. Um, like anytime that memory is brought up, um, I quickly close it off. I don't. We we I did EDM or EMDR EMDR that's what it says um, to help deal with the the stuff and um, the counselor chose because the memories don't come back very often we chose not to do like bring that forward so unfortunately so I, I unfortunately I guess I don't know I don't know if it would be good to relive all of that for nothing I guess <laughs> so yeah. So we were chatting before we started and you were saying that you first used at age 12. Tell us about that. Who was it with? What did you use? Well, we uh, grew up in Rangeley. So we, um, it was a very small town um, kind of um, atmosphere. Uh, we had block parties um, and uh, all of the, um, the surrounding blocks would get together and we would have barbecues so on and so forth. And um I would start, I started drinking um, my dad's and, you know, everybody else's <laughs> um, beer um, and wine coolers and so on and so forth. Did they let you or you were sneaking it? I was sneaking it um, okay. at the time. And then, um, like, it was very um, backwards, I guess. <laughs> so once we started sneaking and they knew we were sneaking it, like, they would kind of let us just do whatever we, were, what we wanted to do, so on and so forth. Um, so it started out sneaking and then it, it became, um, a, like, you know what I mean? I would just steal dad's, um, alcohols and so forth. And, um, it started slow progression and then I found weed and then that was off onto another rock star moment. So I guess, so, so how were your grades in school? Um, surprisingly, um, all of i i was uh i excelled in school um my 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 alcohol use or my marijuana use didn't um curb any of that um i um like graduated when i finally did well, when we're not when i finally but when i graduated high school i was third in my class um oh, that's great 3.98 gpa um, that's great yeah so Growing up, I I was uh, a part of um, that. I always lived a double life, um, and that would uh, be an issue later on in life, of course. Um, but I was good at doing the the front of things, um, but at the same time, in the background, you know, being um, a, a pot smoker, a drinker, um, doing Ritalin, um, doing whatever I wanted to do. I didn't get into heavy drugs until I was 19. Um, and was then, that Ritalin prescribed to you or did you buy it illegally? A friend was prescribed. Um, so you we were, were technically uh, not, you were buying it illegally technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not prescribed, no. Um, and I remember the first time I came home after um, doing that, my mom thought I was high. And like I was like, no, mom, I didn't do any drugs. Um, and then of course, you know, like, She's like, well, Ritalin is a drug, Joshua. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Ritalin is a, I remember the first time I took Adderall, I was at work and some yeah. kid, we used to do phone, on the phones a lot. 
And some kid said, you want to be good on the phones today? Take this. And he just gave it to me. I had no idea what it was. And I remember I was just focused and I can get shit done. And mm-hmm. that day I made like a hundred phone calls compared to the, you know, 50 I usually made. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, really. I ended up with part of my language abusing the shit out of it later. When I first tried it, eventually I stopped it for a long time. And then I got back on it and I abused yeah. the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, um, it was very intense for sure. Um, we didn't use it like we weren't just, you know, swall- ingesting it. We like we would snort it, um, and um, we would stay up all night long drinking, smoking weed. Like it, it was a very weird like. Um, so you like, were very young snorting it. Yes, like um, whose idea so was it? Fourteen. Oh, that's young. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I um, whose I, idea was it to snort it? Uh my friend Derek's it was okay. his um we would he had a basement and his dad he was his parents were divorced and so um his dad worked on the uh oil rigs that Rangeley Colorado was a very um oil town um it, that's you know pretty much why it, why it's there um so we would um he would be gone at night so we would go over there that that would be our place to hang out to smoke weed drink so on and so forth um and um we would do you know that we did that at night so um and then we would go to school the next day um i'm i seem to be i'm not smart like but i'm smart i guess um i was very good at like passing um i have a very good memory um not so much anymore but um <laughs> at that time um i was able to live this like double standard like double life um and people knew like um that i was you know a pot smoker and so on and so forth but i was so good at sports and so good at school that they just kind of was like well whatever and it was small town so it didn't really nobody cared and like it didn't become an issue until my senior year um uh because my entire class um we were the hippies like that like the entire class was we, we were known for smoking weed um, and so on and so forth. And that's when it was after our senior year that the school decided to start doing um, UAs. So um, doing what? Say again? Doing UAs for like sports and for student government and everything else, because um, they all found out that we were like, we were just <laughs> crazy, like freaking um, hippies pretty much. I mean, <laughs> just bunch of pot smokers um every, we loved everybody everybody loved everybody like yeah. so but um like like i said the dry, heavy drug use didn't happen until i went to college um i found alcohol i um <laughs> majored in um um psychology and theater arts and um was in introduced to this party lifestyle of course so this was college this was college yeah and um i just i mean i was away from home i was away from mom dad all of it um i started uh coke and um that i loved i loved the fact that i could drink and go to the bar and you know get some coke and continue to keep partying like i didn't know when to stop when i started i couldn't stop like i just wanted to keep going I was the life of everything. I was very outgoing. Of course, not without any of that. <laughs> like, 
The reason I'm smiling is, do you know how many people say to me and during these interviews, oh yeah, I be, I, somewhat to the effect that you, they were the life of the party. They were able to talk to people. They were no longer shy. You know, yeah. I hear that a lot, actually. Even yeah. Bill W. in the big book of AA, he mentions that he was able to talk to people more at a party. And I think he used the terms, he felt he had arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was because I'm very, like, um, introverted, in essence. Um, I've got a very outgoing personality, um, but I'm very, like, homebodied kind of person. And especially now that I'm clean, like, um, I find myself... Um, staying home i mean go to meetings so on and so forth and being of service but um like i i like my me time <laughs> and i'm a server so um a lot of my time is spent around people so i like i, I want my time to be my, alone and it's crazy to think that in my younger age i was just like all i wanted to do was just be around people and party and um and you know use alcohol and drugs to be a part of the part of when I didn't have to do that but I mean we learn right <laughs> so yeah yeah not um and also so part of like growing up in a small town um um when it concerns like um sexuality um I was not um okay <laughs> I guess um because I'm a gay man and um unfortunately um being growing up in a town of 1500 people that was not looked well upon. And so when I went to college, um, I was able to find this other side of me and um, alcohol and drugs were able to bring that part out so I could accept myself. And so I um, used Coke as a, um, a gateway to finding myself i guess um and being accepted and um that's a whole nother lifestyle like that uh would later come out when i found meth <laughs> um i would just use drugs and party and do all sorts of crazy shit so <laughs> so yeah. getting away from the small town atmosphere in college was able to let you explore your sexuality it sounds like yes um and you know uh, coming to the point of like being able to accept myself um I used the drugs to do that, um, to, to be okay, I guess. Um, like you were saying, like, you know, like in the book, book, he found himself, like, I guess that's how I found myself. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, how were your grades in college? Did you do just as well as you did in no. high school? No, no. <laughs> completely no, changed. Not. You were just like, <laughs> yeah, complete change. Um, like I, I, for the most part, when I, I mean, I did um, three years, I didn't actually graduate, unfortunately. Um, so I did three years of college um, and they, my GPA was somewhere around like a 2.8. Um, so not, I mean, complete reversal of what it used to be in high school. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that like, I wanted to just be I wanted to, you know, that, that party lifestyle, that, that social aspect of college, um, took me over and, um, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be the life of the party. And so that's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so at any point during college, did you think you had a problem or would you just partying and you thought everything was fine? 
Um, the, the first time I thought I had a problem, um, I started working um, at this uh, junior theater. And um, was this during or after college? During college. During and college, so, okay. Um, I, I, I found at that time um, cocaine. And so I um, chose to, to be a part of that, that, that lifestyle in essence. And so I was able to um, use cocaine when I was on stage or whatever. And it was, uh, it, it brought out whatever character I needed. You know what I mean? It helped bring, break down the walls, whatever you want to say. And so um, I couldn't do school and that and do the junior theater at the same time so instead of um continuing school i chose to um quit school and start full you know full-on working at the um dinner theater as an actor and as a server and um i started thinking like maybe i have a problem you know what i mean um it didn't become an issue until i couldn't pay rent and um i that 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 the the people I worked with, we, we had this idea of this bohemian lifestyle, that we would um, all live together and work together and um, all of that fun stuff. So I just quit school, quit living with the roommates I was living with, moved in with these guys, and um, it was on. I mean, it was like all we did was just party. Um, we went to to work we did the shows and it was just like this rotating cycle forever and um i finally got to a point where um i just i couldn't i knew there was something not right i mean it was like you're 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 barely making it from day to day um and especially as a server like you know you live off of the the tips that you get cash wise you don't get paychecks and so i wasn't able to accumulate money to pay for rent or pay for anything and I finally was like I need to go home so I moved home uh to where my mom was and my dad and they were just going through a divorce at that time and so I moved out there and um I didn't accept the fact that there was a problem or that alcohol or drugs were the reason it was just I couldn't I didn't I chose that 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 lifestyle the, the the theater lifestyle was not that was the that was that fault that you know what i mean it wasn't me i mean there was nothing wrong with me <laughs> it was that was the fault so i um <laughs> got away from that lifestyle and then moved home and um i uh well i guess not home i was back to brush colorado which is where i was born which is where my mom was raised and so i um started working at this pizza hut and then within six months became a general manager and um, found him back to alcohol, but I was capable of, I was a function alcoholic. I mean, I, I uh, ran a restaurant, did really well. I was young at the time I was 23, I think it was. And um, I was able to devote 90 hours a week to them or 70 to 90 hours a week. Um, and I partied with my, you know, the people that I worked with. Um, I dated the people I worked with. <laughs> um, it was, it was a mess. I mean, like how well that story did, I don't understand because <laughs> um, it was probably because like, you know, like, oh, my boss is cool. Like, you know, like, let's go to work because we can drink. <laughs> so 
um, whatever it might be, um, they did, we did well together. I mean, we, for four years, the restaurant ran really well. It went from a hole in the wall to, um, what the best restaurant, one of the best restaurants that that they had. And so, which is crazy. Um, but I felt like I was missing something. And so I went back to Grand Junction and then I found methamphetamine in the full extent. Um, and I um, shot up for the first time. And that Who introduced was, you to the meth. Um, well, technically, I was introduced to the meth when I was 19 um, okay. because I, we couldn't find Coke. And they were like, the guy that I was getting it from was like, it's cheaper. And so I used it and I was up for four days and I didn't understand why. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was very naive back then. But um, I met up with this guy. Um, who actually introduced me to the meth to begin with. <laughs> His name's Chris. And he um, um, reintroduced it. Like I went, I was drinking, you know, going to the bar, back to that lifestyle. Cause I went back to Grand Junction. So it was back to the same people, you know what I mean? Um, same friends that were there. Um, and um, this guy named Chris, he, um, he was like, do you want to shoot up? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but um I did, and I loved it. I loved every like minute of it. I loved the high. I loved how it just, I mean, yeah. It. I don't know how to explain it. I don't love it now. I fucking hate it now, but um, <laughs> every aspect of it. But at that moment, um, it, 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 I mean, the high was just something, the euphoric, everything was just, it grabbed a hold of me. And um, I spent the next, 10 years off and on just like ruining my life. I mean, I went from not having any contact with law enforcement at all, um, except when I was 19, I, I got into my, or what is the minor possession? Um, because they found me at, in the um, college dorm room, bathroom, like just gone. And so they were like, oh, he's probably got alcohol poisoning. So they gave me an MIP then. So that was the only time I ever had any law enforcement contact. Within six months of using the needle, um, I had stolen somebody's credit card. <laughs> I, um, uh, of course, got um, um, charged with that. So I was in jail for the first time at the age of 25. And um, my life just went downhill. And it, I mean, the, 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 the addiction wasn't just to meth anymore. It was to the, the 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 workings of making it, of getting it ready. Um, I mean, like I would later on write like um, goodbye letters to uh, what I would call um, Miss Tina Lapointe. I mean, I, I I literally gave it a persona. Like it was the addiction was not just to the drug anymore. It was to the use of the needle. Um, and then Real later quick, how on, long did you spend in jail? Um, off and on, um, I've spent, I did three years in a halfway house, uh, in lieu of prison. Um, did that first time I was in jail, I was in there for 78 days. Um, because I knew I had a problem. Um, I mean, I knew, I just didn't know how to fix it. Um, and so they signed up for this thing called Fast Track at that time. Um, there was this uh, treatment facility that would um, um, come get you, I guess, in essence. But there was always, of course, a long, giant wait list. So instead of getting out 
like normal people would have um because it was my first offense i signed up for that and stayed in for 78 days and so um i of course had no idea what i was doing like i had no idea what like what um, the criminal lifestyle would be like and so when i went to court they were like why are you in jail <laughs> like you shouldn't even be here like i was like well i want to go treatment <laughs> and they're like well we can do that later like get your ass out of jail so <laughs> so they got me out of jail i was put under the first sentence um and then i just i went from that to i got um i just couldn't stay clean i mean I would be clean for a month and I would use, or I'd be clean just for my probation meetings. You know what I mean? Um, and that would be it. Um, my first time I went to treatment was in 2013. Um, I did 90 days and this is called some of you treatment facility. It was on top of a halfway house. So <laughs> um, the fact, I mean, I would later on go back to that. Um, but I, I, sincerely wanted to, to get clean i really did um but the i didn't know at that time that people places and things were the huge um you know were huge you know you had to change everything and um i went right back to the same people i was ha around um and unfortunately within three months i was back to using and later on i would uh, uh abscond off of probation and I went into hiding for like six months. Um, they knew where I was, it was crazy. I mean, later on I would find out that like, we knew where you were, we just, you know, there was no reason to come get you, um, which I don't, I guess I just, you know, didn't make any difference to me, but I just continued to keep using um, and going crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, because I have a lot of mental health issues and of course, you know, using brings all of that out and um i just would fall into this like giant like mess um and then it, it's taken many years to like clean all that back up so not but yeah mm -mm. so you used for 10 years you said you just went on a i guess a long bender for a decade yeah yeah what off were... and on, <clears throat> me. so it's off and on yeah mm. we're there anything was there anything that motivated you to continue using for 10 years like was it on your own you went looking for it, or were people offering it to you all the time and it was hard to say no what was the deal there well i think it was a combination unfortunately also um i guess um i i don't know i'm not saying like i have the short stick in life or anything else of that sort because i'm better because of everything that's happened to me um but that first time i used a needle um I also contracted HIV. Um, wow. So, yeah. Um, and so um, the combination of becoming a felon and, and that, um, and um, the, 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 the mental health crap, um, I just, I wanted to quit. I knew there was a lot wrong with me, um, that my health would suffer um, surprisingly, like, uh, the medication that you're on, that they have nowadays, um, it keeps it all in remission. Um, and I was able to take it every day, which is nuts. I mean, there was only one time I went suicide. Well, not one time, but I went crazy and it was like, I'm not taking any meds and spent six months not taking it and getting weird sicknesses and all sorts of crap. Um, but, um, I, 
couldn't face myself, I guess. Um, I couldn't face the fact that like, um, that I gave myself, you know what I mean? That I gave myself HIV, that I gave myself these, these, these felon felonies. And, um, I didn't want to face any of it. And so I spent 10 years just, just running from everything. Um, not wanting to, to face the, the consequences, I guess, of my actions. Um, also I was raped. Um, there was, um, I still to this day, like, um, I don't blame myself. Like my sponsor, he's very angry. He gets very angry when I, we talk about it, but like, I feel like I set myself in that position. Um, so I'm not saying it was, it's okay. Like it's not, but all of that coupled together. Um, plus, you know, like all of the crap that goes on in someone's head. Um, I just didn't want to stop. I didn't want to face anything. Um, and like they say that, you know, once the pain gets to a certain point and the pain becomes too much, then, then you do something about it. Um, and it wasn't until, um, here recently that like the pain just got too much and I was done. So, mm. Can you tell yeah, us a little bit more about your mental health issues? Um, well, I'm uh, bipolar. Um, uh, I got social anxiety disorder. Um, well, so the, uh, they, they diagnosed me with that <laughs> personality, but I don't really think that's okay. But I'm not a psychiatrist. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, um, but like I've got uh, bipolar, social anxiety, of course, depression, um, anxiety with panic attacks. Um, um, I think that's it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I, um, the border, the, the, the bipolar, um, is pretty severe. Um, there was, uh, about six months ago, I, I, what, a friend of mine died, second friend that died. And, um, I didn't feel anything because it was so heavily medicated. I chose to stop taking my medications and I didn't realize how bad bipolar is um, because I went like almost not immediately, but within a week went into a manic episode and ended up using again. And um, it was horrible. It was the, probably, I'm glad it happened because it brought me closer to being honest with myself and with the program and um, everything else of the sort. Um, and also with my mental health issues because um, I was diagnosed bipolar uh, roughly about the same time, um, about 10 years ago. And I just, that stigma of being, you know, uh, having mental health issues. And then on top of that, having HIV, being a drug addict, um, I just, you know what I mean? Like, didn't want to deal with any of it. Um, I didn't want to face it or accept any of it. So I, I finally got to the point here six months ago where I have to be on a medication. I have to do something or I'm going to end up in prison or dead. And then shortly thereafter, um, I th another friend overdosed and um, I'm actually living in his room right now, which is crazy. Um, but um, he, um, his overdose coupled with my relapse and overdose, um, I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I guess that. Was that what you would consider your rock bottom? Because a lot of us have to hit rock bottom. Yeah, I woke up in the hospital and I um, was alone. My mom wasn't there. And my mom and I are close. Because um, I moved up to Cheyenne uh, to, because I couldn't stay clean in Grand Junction. So I moved up here. And of course, um, 
you know, within two weeks was high. Um, but um, I back and forth, back and forth, got myself back into trouble. Um, and um, I um, waking up alone without my mom. Um, that was it that I mean, today, I have today. Um, but um, the thing is, like, waking up alone, having overdosed and um, having a friend die shortly thereafter, uh, because we were using the same thing we weren't using together, but um, using the same thing and um, meth and it had to be laced with fentanyl. And so we just I just, it's not, it's either life or death nowadays. I mean, you you don't know what you're getting. Um, you drugs are just, I mean, the, the, that fentanyl is just, it's, it's insane. It's in everything. I mean, <clears throat> it's a huge killer. <laughs> I mean, and I've even heard of people putting it in pot and marijuana, which. Yeah. 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 I read about this kid that was using ketamine and he, uh, was using it too, cause he couldn't afford, um, uh, pills, uh, for his depression. So he was using that and it was laced with fentanyl and he died. And unfortunately, his his family was like totally blown away from it because they didn't they didn't know you know what I mean they didn't even know what fentanyl was like so it's scary it's a very scary environment nowadays and I don't want to die I want to live like I mean people say they would die for you but I want to live for them so that's a great saying people say they would die for you but you have to live to the, for them that's a great saying yeah <laughs> so tell us uh, about life nowadays. What's what's going on with your life? Well, um, I uh, um, I found Narcotics Anonymous roughly four years ago for the first time. Kept me the 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 thing the saying. Well, if you go to Narcotics Anonymous, you're going to find drugs, and so that kept me away. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like why would I go to hang out with a bunch of junkies? Um, thankfully, I was introduced to it, and um, nowadays, um, like. I, I, I surround myself with um, people from Narcotics Anonymous. They, there's a saying, the, the meeting after the meeting is just as important as the meeting. Um, mm -hmm. So I took that hold bar, like I, I took that saying and I went with it. And so um, I created a very strong support system. Um, um, I, I go to about, I would like to go to more meetings, but um, work keeps me away from them. So there, I go to about three meetings a week, um, um, which is good. Um, of course, I work with a sponsor. I'm relapsed six months ago, um, a month, uh, unfortunately, but I'm on the second step again. <laughs> but um, it's all right. Um, but this time there's a, um, a degree of honesty that like is sometimes a little scary. It's kind of at a fault at times. <laughs> because um um everything in my life at this point is very honest um because before i was doing everything i thought i had to do uh but i wasn't doing it because i wanted to or because um i there was there was this, there was a degree of dishonesty so i i i live a life now where there is absolutely no dishonesty whatsoever i mean you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you. Do you look fat? Yep. Um, <laughs> but I'll be nice about it. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing is, is like, I can't invite dishonesty. You know what I mean? I mean, I know the pendulum swings both, you know, it, it does swing. 
and there will be a level ground one day. Um, but um, for now, um, I have to live a life of honesty. And so it's hard for me to be dishonest um, in any aspect of my life. Um, so I, I, I find that going to meetings is beneficial. Talking to my sponsor is huge. Um, the, the idea of living just for today, um, I didn't really understand. The, the, the shortest distance one needs to travel is from here to here, um, meaning from your head to your heart. And so when you know something, you know it, right? Like you can, like, I'm a smart person, so I know things, but I don't know it. And um, I just recently learned that like a lot of application is found in your heart. Um, it's found through, um, you know, like actually understanding something. Um, so like just for today, our living, you know, for one day at a time, um, it literally takes away so much stress and so much um, application of like, oh, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do that? Like, well, today again, I mean, I wake up every day and I give my life over to a power grid in myself. And I mean, like, there's so much power in like letting go. Um, and so much like, um, when you get to that point of like, what is powerlessness? Um, it is the absolute, you know, you, you don't control anything. The only thing you control is this. And, um, and once you get to that point of like everything is outside of your control, like, like you just, I don't know, there's like a state of Zen that comes about you. Um, and, um, you feel like a Jedi, like the world is like, <laughs> there's like lasers going right by your head and, you know, you know, you're affected by it. And you know what I mean? Like you, your life still happens. Um, there's still life on life's terms, but um, you're capable of handling it because, you know, there's so much that just isn't in your control. So you just choose to focus on what you can do. And there, within that tiny little bit, like there's so much power in that. So, mm -mm. Yeah, so <clears throat> I guess my last question for you, I'm glad to first of all see that you're doing well, is do you have any advice for people that might be watching or listening right now? Um, honestly, just uh, be honest with yourself. <laughs> um, be, um, be upfront. Um, don't think you're doing this alone. Um, you're not alone. You never are alone. Um, like there are people that um, love you for who you are, love you for where you are. Um, and um, they're, they want the best for you. Um, even if you don't know that, and even if you can't feel that or see that, go your, go to a meeting and you will be embraced. Um, because within that, um, you will learn to love yourself because they will find that they, they, I mean, they love you for you. Like unconditional love comes from, um, from meetings. And so from the support that you get from that. And so if you find that you can't love yourself today, there is somebody out there that does love you and they will help you find you to show that you can love yourself. Mm. So mm. That's some great advice. Thank you mm. for that. That's some great advice. So wrapping it up here, I wanted to say to everyone that might be listening or watching, I hope you enjoyed. If you can click below, you can see the subscribe button and also give us a like. I highly suggest taking a look at our Facebook group. Also going under our events tab there, you can see a ton of Zoom meetings that we do nightly at 6.30 Eastern time. 
And also check us out on all different types of social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Pinterest, we're on Reddit. So I hope you guys check it out. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And until next time.